Well, I'm not a millennial. They know nothing about Office 365. After a good single malt, you sound like one. What can I get you guys? Oh, the usual podcast whiskey, something unique. This is a well-stacked bar. We've got a lot to cover, Steve, so let's pace ourselves. Or an extra whiskey tonight for all those cloud technology heroes. That's just an excuse. We are the heroes. What are you talking about? Our podcast, Office 365 Distilled. Hey, Moraine! We're back again. Yes, yes, <laughs> We're yes. back. And this time, I even know on what number of episode we are. That's because you practiced last time. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, what, was, what did you think it was last time? Uh, last time I thought it was 39. And this time it's? 39. And you're sure? No, but <laughs> it, it, it was 50-50 either way, so. That's no. true. It is yeah. 39. Awesome. Wow. It is brilliant, thirty nine. And I was actually looking at uh, the the, uh, the women in technology podcast. They're going to beat us to forty by one episode. Do you know that? Really? Yep. Lisa. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I noticed they were they were on thirty nine already, and uh, so I thought they're going to beat us to forty by oh. one. But that's okay. So should we then like record two episodes now, or just do two short episodes, or? Nah, no, yeah. we're going to be, we're going to ease into it like gentlemen true, and let the true. ladies have their first shot. Ladies first. Absolutely. Oh, yes, yes. Absolutely. Cool. So, yeah, we're cool. We're recording. It's uh, neat and uh, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Um, Bullshit. We do. We oh, do. Okay. This morning I woke up and I found this super long list of things to talk about that you just sent me and i was like this is too long i don't want to read this i first want to have some breakfast i want to have some coffee i don't care about all this all the stuff that you send out at four o'clock in the morning noop 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 you've just been focused on your apartment this weekend i've hardly had any comments back on anything even on our potential whiskey tour Oh, yes. Later on in the year. I know, I know, I know. I had very you had your important around, things that, to do, so. and my ass is still sore of breaking <laughs> out the cork floor. I, la- I laughed at that the first time you said that earlier tonight, and I have it's, to laugh at it again. It's still funny. I, yeah. yeah. It, it always it, will be. It's, it's still funny, except when I want to sit down, then it really hurts. <laughs> Listen, you've never had hemorrhoids operations, then you'll know what no, sitting down is like. Exactly, but now I also know what the IT life is and how special and privileged I am to not have to do like manual labor, but just sit and just type with my delicate little hands. Oh, sweet. Mm. But I know the feeling. I've been out in the garden because the weather's nice, thinking oh. I really don't do this often enough. No, oh God, no. But there you go. And my old man, I mean, the, the garden as it is now, when we first moved in this, into these offices and this house like 20 years ago, there was about 15 trees in it. And me and my old man took them all down, you know. And yeah. he's just, he worked on a farm for years. And he just keeps going. You know, I was, yeah. man, come on, let's have a break. No, 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 let's just do this other tree. No, 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 let's just bring this, le- this root up. No, no, yeah. no. Man, how do you keep going? And he was um. like that. Till he, till he was 65 and 70, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just brilliant. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't have those traits. I never picked no. up those traits. No. But what I am good at is making a long list of things that we could speak about on a podcast. When exactly. I have the ideas, yeah. when the ideas come, they keep coming. Well, you know, to be honest, we, we now have ideas to last until episode 100, I guess. <laughs> so never again do we have to say in the start of an episode, like, we don't know what we need to talk about. No, and we do know what we're going to talk about, yeah. so we're going to talk about one of those subjects. We're going to basically talk about Pike Creek. Yes. Pike Creek is an American whiskey. Uh, we'll dig up some more details in a minute, but it's a 10-year-old bourbon. Yeah. What are you looking at that for? Oh, no, we totally forgot to to look it up. Yeah, yeah, so we normally we do. So we actually can say something useful about it. <laughs> Look, I, I'm fairly certain that after episode, after 39 episodes, they are well aware that we research our whiskies. Yes, and more than we research the topics that we talk about. <laughs> yes, that's probably true. But the, again, yeah. as an unusual whiskey, yes. this is a bourbon, an American whiskey, that's actually been uh, matured or finished in a rum barrel. 
yes. which is very unusual then for ab- bourbons. Yeah, ab- absolutely, like you you see these more and more these days with whiskies, but yeah. Oh, there you go. Sorry, that was a bit Ooh. bright. All right, cool. So um, I guess we could talk about the whiskey all night. You know we could, but let's not do that. So <laughs> I gave you a long list of subjects this morning because last, last yes. podcast we talked about the end users mm-hmm. and how easy it was to get to your content and all Absolutely. the different ways of doing it. Yeah. And today I thought we should get a little more complicated well, and show how good we are at being consultants and what we really do know. So I did there's, make a There's long a list. really nice segue from last episode to this one because for me, and I know for you as well, is... Uh, for me, what is the most important thing in Office 365 is that it enables my end users to do their stuff faster, better, easier, whatever. Yes. So for me, the end users is the main goal. And the topic that we're going to discuss today is going to completely really, screw um, that up. Exactly. Is how can we make sure that they cannot do things as easily as they want and as simple as they want we're just gonna add a, a shit ton of complexity on that we are yes but for good reason i hope so <laughs> <laughs> it, it is true there is a bit of a love-hate relationship between what we do in terms of really trying to enable collaboration yeah and what those security people do yes because um, that is the topic of today we didn't yeah. really mention it. no it's, that we thought it's all we'd about security there was me going to try and lead into it and let people keep guessing why they're listening to us yeah and, and then after you know. 40 minutes we just say let's go to a whiskey and then, yeah absolutely yeah. no but you're right we're going to try and talk about some of the aspects of how you secure your your tenant yes and some of the choices you have and as you say, uh, you're going to take on the, the view of an uh, end user and you're going to sit there and go, but I don't want to do that. Or I remember exactly. when... Exactly. Yes, that's my favorite. Yeah, just bring out my little five-year-old inside me and just, no, I don't want to eat my potatoes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Do you not like <laughs> potatoes then? No, I don't like broccoli. You don't I like don't, broccoli? I don't want to eat my peas. No. <laughs> okay. That's true. No. Mm, potatoes security all right so anyway, <laughs> i made i made a, a whole list of, of things uh-huh. in here about setting stuff up and, yes. uh, and we're going to really basically start from the top of the list i suppose really uh, yeah so the, the the one that i really want to start with was the the one that you just said bef- right before we were gonna record because if you want to like improve your security or work on your security secure you first, score yes you first need to see where you are and where you want to go to so True. maybe first you need to have even a some kind of search uh security vision well i i had also in my list preliminary things that you need to think about Aha. But that's right at the other end of the list. <laughs> so um, scroll, scroll, so scroll, 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 scroll. I mean, scroll. there we go. Page one of 710. Um, but yes, so defining what people can do and what they can't do and when they can do it, I guess, is, you know, yeah. uh, and who can do what. Um, so right at the beginning, secure score is a kind of uh, a bit of a target. I don't know whether you would, s- whether I don't know whether you use it as a tool for tracking how you're doing because you certainly don't do it once you know you no, check your secure score no. every month yes if not sooner there are a number of things that you should do every two weeks or every month like Correct. reports that you need to run and yep. only if you run that report you get the points in your secure score yeah no so secure score uh you wanted to start off with that so if i have a high secure score mm-hmm. does that then make it a poor experience for the users no, it shouldn't be. No. It shouldn't do. No. So is there a number in the scoring system where good for users at 25, bad for users at 45? Because if I if I enabled multi-factor authentication, for example, yeah. mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would give me more points. Uh, yes. But it would also give an extra something for the end users. Uh, true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... Do you have to pitch your secure score at how we want to make the user experience within our tenant? Or should we always just aim for the highest score possible so we can go to the boss and go, 
rub the collar and say, boss, we're at 89 on our secure score now. Yeah, because is that a goal to, to have like a specific number on your secure score? Is that like a target that you want to gain? Is you that some like end of year we have to reach 88 out of 122? I think you need some reference. You do need yeah. reference, yeah. even if it's our average for the last six weeks is between, you know, well, all right, six weeks is bad. Our, our average for the last six months has been between 62 and 73, and mm -hmm. that's acceptable. And, hey, look, it's at 22. Something's gone wrong. So there's an indicator that potentially says, hey, you know. Yeah, because, um, because we didn't run this report and this report because the guy is... Yeah, gone sailing for two months. And One of the most difficult yeah. things, and I've talked about run before on a tenant. So I've got the tenant set up. It's all right. Everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. We're migrating people, blah, blah, blah. But then there's a bunch of stuff that everybody needs to do that they never used to have to do with their on-premise versions. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, governance now is is better in SharePoint Online than it ever was on-premise. Yeah. But it means there are regular tasks that need to be done. True. You know, True. not not all yeah. of them are automated, or yeah. you need to run reports to confirm that your automated bits did. So, you know, for example, we one of my governance items is I always want to have two owners for every Office 365 group, yeah. regardless. Yeah. So there's a script that runs that says, hey, this is the... And just hold on a second. <laughs> Bless me. Yeah. And. <laughs> oh, I wow. Have, okay. I have no idea. Th this, this matured whiskey really does make you sneeze. Hmm. <laughs> Warning for everybody. No, no, no. It's nothing to do with the whiskey. The lid's, no. not, the lid's not even off the bottle yet. Um, which did throw me off my stream, though. I was just saying that. What was I saying? Uh, you were talking about governance that we need more Correct. things to do. Yeah, so yeah. We, we run a report every yeah. week um, that uh, identifies uh, new groups that have only got single yep. owners mm -hmm. and then they get an email. Of course, that's automated on yep. Power Apps, yep. on Power Automate. And so, but we need to make sure that's run. Yep. And also, we need to, you can also judge how well your governance communication is going by how low that number gets and how high that number gets. And yeah. secure score, yeah. I think, has to be based upon some reference. So I think the number is important as well as mm -hmm. the tasks that it gets you to do. Because you were saying it's now improved in this area. Before, there yeah. was a list of things that needed yeah. to be done. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just saw this morning this tweet from uh, Albert Hoyting. Um, Hi, who Albert. Who is a security guy. Um, well, last time I saw him, Then we were all pretty drunk on that party buzz at Ignite. But anyway. Oh, Albert was there, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, Albert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, uh, da, 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 what did I want to say? Oh, yes. So now these, uh, uh, every secure score item is now something that you can really plan for and make actionable and, and, and turn it into a task and to, to be reminded later that you actually need to do something with it. All right, so cool. I think that is a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool next step. Same thing with the message center that these will now go into planner, for example, so that you can actually plan them in your for your governance meeting. And you can stuff. also kick off workflows and things when they turn up and all kinds of stuff. So yes, yeah, you can use them as exactly. triggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat. I do notice that we're less comfortable with this than we were last week with our subjects because obviously we're into yeah. the end user experience and the collaboration and making a change at that end. And yeah. this is something we know about, mm -hmm. but not something we use every day. So exactly. that's interesting. So, yeah, right before we were recording, I just said to you, like, I don't know anything about security. And then <sighs> we were talking a little bit and it's like, yeah, but then I saw this and yeah, I saw that tweet from Albert and, and now you can do this. And I, I had this experience there and then, so, oh, yeah, maybe we do have something to talk about. Well, yeah. it, it, the thing is that if we take an average and we, we do long projects with people normally, so we don't normally go yeah. in for six months and leave. No. We're normally there for two years, three years mm. um, because we're doing the whole gambit at the end user stage. So True. we're there at the beginning when yeah. we when, you know, your setup consultants set up mm -hmm. or your mm -hmm. IT team or whatever. So you set up the standards and the design documents and yeah. you only ever answer these questions once. 
security always manages the security stuff. I always manage all the collaboration yeah. stuff. Yeah, kind you of have stuff. the special guys <coughs> coming in yeah. for security, like so SEAL Team 6. Yeah, yeah SEAL Team 6, exactly. They're going to take care of the situation. <laughs> They're going to take care of the situation. That is very true. <laughs> all right. So, secure score then. That's where you yes. wanted to start, which is cool. So, I think well, I want no, to... Well, no, actually, my, my idea is how, how do you... Because... I've never done an, an Intune uh, implementation, for example. Like, how do you start with this? Do you also like start with a with a why? Do you start with a vision? Like, I want my end users to be able to do this and this and this in that kind of fashion. Is that something that you do? Nope, nope. You start off with your governance. Okay. You start off with your governance, no. and and, and, and you it's say, interesting. I want my customers to be able to do this and this and this. That means that. When it comes to security, it's all about the standards within the organization for securing the content and knowledge, and they will almost certainly be in place. So of course. Yeah, they will be. Yeah. Okay. So because they're in place, everybody is hell of a suspicious about going to the cloud because, hey, of we've run our own service forever in a day. <laughs> so there's a lot of convincing to people to go, no, no, this is as secure as, as it was before. It uses the same security, NTFS for the hard drive security, uses SharePoint, it uses Active Directory, but it's in the cloud. It's So mm -hmm. then there's a whole list of stuff that's saying it's better because it's easily updated. They don't have to be updated manually. There's less pressure on you. Yeah. You know, how do I stop people coming into my network? Well, you can do that because it's a virtual network. It still mm -hmm. has the same firewalls, the same port control that you control. Yeah, but what about my certificates? Well, you can do those. So in terms of setting this part of the tenant up, it really is all about saying, okay, what are my existing security standards? Mm -hmm. Question one, are you happy with your existing security standards? Yes, of course, I wrote them. Okay, let me go and ask somebody else. <laughs> Are yeah. you happy with existing security <laughs> uh -huh. standards? Yeah. yeah, John wrote them. Okay, and you trust John. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, so, But you basically start off with a list. Yeah. Um, and then you basically go, all right, so they need port numbers closed down. So that's what we're expecting. Um, we need uh, this doing, and we look at that, and we look at the other. Yes, it's, it's getting windy out there. Yeah. Uh, I saw this cat with a big tail just fl flying by. Anyway, yes, sorry. <laughs> and that's all right. So so consequently, there's a, yeah. there's a bunch of those kinds of things. And that's where you start. Yeah. So it's never, with security, it's never about it's not how new, easy can course. we make it yeah. for the users. No, it's not new. I get that. Like, for example, if you go to OneDrive, if you go to SharePoint, you, you have something new that you start off with. A whole new way of working, a whole yes. new set of ideas. Security is not necessarily new because you have people and they want to access content and you need to facilitate that. Yeah, there are some things, of course, that will have a direct effect. Is there, an, is there a current policy for external users? Yeah. And uh, is, so if there is not, uh, one of the things that you, the business normally says is, I want to go to the cloud because I want to be able to share with my yeah. suppliers yeah. and security go, no, we can't do that. We can't let them into our network. And then you have to go, but actually, there's a really good way of doing stuff. Yeah, well, we're not going to launch with it like that, so we're going to launch with it another way. So again, I said the preliminaries are, what am I going to do and when am I going to do it? What's my timeline for mm -hmm. running through? Mm -hmm. Security has to has to fit along with that. Yeah. So so let's talk about something else. So, so that, that obviously then uh, covers the secure score. Yeah, so, and the, the whole setup, because I was wondering about how do you... How do you start with a security project like this? Well, uh, the, the thing is that uh, thing of you're not going to turn your secure score on until somebody says, okay, it's all configured and run now. Then you're going to run the secure score. So that means you need to know who's got access to it, who can take on those tasks, who can yep. see it. Yep. And, and actually, is it a restricted piece of information in your organization? Do yep. you actually want it to, to be kind of open to the organization or only accessible by a few people for example yeah and yeah. then what what kind of operation processes are run from it which we've already kind of covered you also do like some kind of risk assessment like if we don't review that document of um uh, how do you call that like people logging in but we're not really sure if they're really who they think they are like part of the fun. don't do that do we do kind of a risk assessment who monitors your might? systems who monitors yeah. your error logs you know on the days of a sharepoint server it was the sharepoint team yeah. but this is now a corporate service 
So there's a new monitoring team usually in place that monitors all the event logs and tracks it and decides what the the risks are and and access and all that kind of stuff. Based upon your governance for your access control. It's it's quite complicated. There's a a whole raft of stuff that you have to go through for this. But anyway, we're trying to keep it short and not get too complicated. But what I like to do with SecureSuite, but don't tell anybody, is when you're having it set up by a partner or by a different team, you say to them, as part of the design documents, okay, that's cool. So what do you expect your, your secure score to be when you finish doing the install? What is your target? You don't set mm-hmm. it. You ask them to. And they usually go, oh, because the algorithm for secure secure is changing every single day. So the oh. priority of one thing and the priority of another, the kind of change in the big picture. Okay. Secure okay. score monitors different things all the time. So consequently, it says, hey, yeah, no, so we've also introduced this now, so we better start monitoring that. And there's a, a new oh, feature yeah. at Active okay. Directory, yeah. so we better start monitoring that. And if they get that wrong, that will weaken this. So, so secure score as a tool, because of those tasks, as you said, they've come out because... Like everything else, it's starting to get bigger and bigger. Okay, and bigger. so if I'm on the security team, I don't want to go to my boss and say, "Can I get a raise if I can keep our secure score above <laughs> this number?" No, that's not a good idea. Okay. Well, okay. the other thing you always have to remember is there's that audit team. Yes. And the audit team will do a, a lot of the the tracking and monitoring yeah, of your probably, processes to probably, make sure yeah. they're in and out of place. But that means that you're working in a large enough uh, company of course so for, for a 500 people company or a 100 people company it will probably be very different then the, but then the question is how important is your secure score as a tool as, to a, as a management measure? tool as a kpi yeah. I, I think that secure score is useful to have something else that you can open and check on a regular basis mm-hmm. that actually tells you something about have I missed something or what's changing or, you know, yeah. things like this. Mm-hmm. So, so secure score is good, but yes. we've hung around with secure, secure score for a long time now. Yes. Let, let's, yes. M- let's, let's move go. on. Yes. Let's move on. You talked about, um, uh, device management. Yes. Interior. Okay. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. a, a very, very complicated process and yes. mostly nothing to do with us. It'll usually go to the people that are managing the mobile phone or, or the tablets, or even yeah, the Windows yeah, 10 type yeah. of stuff, yeah. um, and and they'll deal with the the kind of Intune. But what you need to remember about Intune more than anything else is it's just a uh, a set of standards that drive GPOs that sign of sets the policies for these What's things. What's a to GPO? Attack. I knew you. I saw your face when you looked at me. Is that the group policy? It's the group is, policy stuff. So actually, yeah. the the thing that is running when I boot up my laptop in the network. It's your all the checks your reg edit. You know, when you yeah, go and change yeah. the registry, it's yeah. usually a group policy will go and set some of those registers okay. and uh, gotcha. uh, and set them in a certain kind of way. Um, gotcha. And so a lot of Intune stuff really is about making sure they're right, appropriately opened and closed uh, or locked off and what you can and can't do yeah, yeah. with that okay. device on so your So we're network. actually already limiting what end users can do. Oh, most, yeah. most of the time for their own good, of course, but we're already limiting them. In, in the capabilities that they can and have. Yeah. Correct. And, and but device, the device management is, is more often than not, uh, from an Intune basis, that is a legitimate device. There'll still yeah. be a bunch of group policies set up by wherever they're set, whoever's managing that Windows 10 device. But part of that will be Intune because Intune is what says this content from the cloud can go on that device or not. Mm-hmm. And when it goes on that device, does it need to be encrypted or not? And sure. uh, do I want them to be able to delete stuff or move stuff? So yeah. basically it creates, a, a, so all that all the Intune does is it creates a, a virtual safe space for corporate content to be stored within on particular devices. So it doesn't suddenly become your Windows 10 master device. However, if you buy... Microsoft 365 now it has the it has that device management in yeah. and that auto because setup stuff for the smaller companies where connect a laptop and it will configure it for you. Yeah. Whereas the enterprise people, because of the variety of different kinds of machines and products, won't use those kinds of functionality. Yeah. So Intune can gotcha. get very complicated. Yeah. And it's a it's again it's a big project on its own. But just let's just call it yeah. device management. So we just need to know 
those devices so that we can allow them access yeah. to our network. And also, as I said before we were recording, I kind of don't like this because one of the promises of Office 365 is that you can work anywhere on any device. But of course, if we have device management on there, that's not true. So I know uh, a, f a few customers uh, ago, so a few projects ago, uh, I had this one customer uh, calling me if I could have this, if I could do this small little change on their SharePoint. And of course I could, it was just like rename a, a, a column or something like that. Uh, so I just logged on uh, to their network, but because it was from my own laptop and not from their laptop, I only had the whole SharePoint in read-only mode. So I couldn't change that name of that column. And that was like freaking annoying because then I had to wait until I was home and then grab that laptop, open it up, wait for it to boot because it takes 10 minutes to boot, of course, because of the whole GPOs and things that need to load. Then I need to go in there, have my uh, multiple uh, authentication thing. So I had to wait for the SMS to come in. Then I could go to the specific side and then I could have that little change of that column. And then I was done. So you that done. just took me so much time to do that one little small but, change. But remember that your security officer is now getting a high secure score. And so they're getting their bonus. Cool. Yes, yes <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But but you are well, right. You, it yeah. is a really balance about what can and can't be done. Yeah. I mean, Intune is is all pretty cool, but the amount of times I have to reauthenticate myself on my corporate mobile phone, yes. Because you know why why do I have to do this four times a day? Yes. And, and like, don't ask me again. I I marked that. Don't ask me again for fourteen which it days. Which completely ignores. Ask me for that. Yeah, it it will do. Uh, but of course, they don't need to do that. But part of it is that people don't trust this stuff yet. You know, yes. they used to be able to go to their data center and go, and this server here, oh, this is a really important server because what this server is doing is making sure that, you know, all our devices are secure and it's doing this and it's doing that and I can touch it and it's real and I can go on the console and I can see it. Yes. Now all I see is this screen that tells me everything Somewhere is safe. Somewhere in the world is running some kind of service. Yes. Yeah. So uh, th there is a period of time, and it takes two or three years from when yeah. you launch these things. My experience, anyway, mm -hmm. is for the security team to become comfortable with something takes two or three years yeah. because it's just alien to them, and it really is yeah. alien to them. Yeah, and I, I don't like extra... Uh, I, I do like these extra things like that, um, uh, multi-factor authentication, for example. I don't mind doing that because that kind of also gives me, as an end user that certainty that the things that I'm doing are secure. So it, it, it kind of messes with my head, just like, yes, this is secure. Yes, this is important stuff. So it's secure. So it's big boy stuff. Yes. So it is the problem I have with a lot of this stuff. First of all, um, how many factors of authentication do you actually need? And where do you get that number from? Well, most of the time, I just I log in with my username, password, and then a uh, a token from the uh, from the app, from the uh, a number what's from that the app, the authenticator app. Yeah, the authenticator. Well, just app. just click on the approve button on the app. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool. So that is something you know the concept of something yeah. you are, something you know, something you have. Yeah, yes. so so yeah. that's something you know, which is your password, yes. username, something and something have you have, is which is phone. your your phone. Yeah. So so that's two forms of authentication, yeah. all right. But if we'd already turned on Intune, the device has been authenticated already. So we so don't need now that. I have yeah. three forms of authentication. If I'm logging into Office 365, it's downloading potentially my unique certificate. We'll come on to bring your own key in a minute or two, mm -hmm. but that's now four forms of authentication oh, yeah. there's also a very good point that if it's a relatively secure application they're using a, a proxy server or two yeah. so if they're right. using a CASB proxy server which is yeah. basically on the internet that only allows you through this hole to get to Office 365 that's five levels of authentication so the interesting oh, okay. conversation that you need to have with with security is okay what is the magic number so yeah. what do you mean is magic number there is no top end 
there, no, probably the, no, there, no. There has to be a yeah. top end because yes. every time you put a magic number on here, my users get a worst, a worser experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I still remember like ten, no, fifteen years ago when I was working, still working, and uh, not being a, a consultant, but still working for uh, BT, I think British Telecom. Uh, I actually had this little token hardware token with me yes exactly like the one i'm just pointing at here yes Yes. it's like this little hardware token where i had to push a button and it would generate a number and i had to fill that in on on my whatever to do whatever well the thing about most people are doing at the moment here in the world of course is working from home in the the old quarantine kind of stuff and that hasn't and we have, everybody's screaming about how well everybody's doing and don't get me wrong yeah. you know I, I had to get 6,000 people from one day to the next working remotely and online <laughs> okay but we didn't make it easier with Office 365 we actually made it more complicated because now everybody has to use these VPN tokens whereas before they just plug in onto the internal network and they're good to go Oh, yeah, of course. And so, of course, what we've done is we've now added another magic number and the 8th or 10th or something. And it gets to the point with Office 365, especially if you're using web browser kind of tools, which, of course, are becoming stronger and stronger. That's where most of the functionality is. We talked about this on the last podcast. It's, it's always the last layer because we're talking about client code now as well, functionality. Mm-hmm. It's the last layer that gives you the functionality and the ability to press the button to do something. You know, whether I want to share a a file with somebody, the web page loads, that's fine. I go to the document library, the documents load, I can see the documents, I can see the button that I need to press. But I probably still have to wait another five or six seconds for all that client code to layer over the top because it's the last thing that loads before I can actually click the button and get the drop down menu. And they take longer and longer with the more and more proxy server kind of stuff that needs to come in because every one of those you signed up for, the uh, multi-factor authentication, although not so much that, but it's still a certificate, which is still encrypted. Still takes... So decrypt, encrypt, decrypt, encrypt, proxy, confirm. Yeah. So it is a really interesting balance between Mm. where you're going and where you're not going. And it doesn't matter whether I work for a bank or whether I work for a manufacturing company, or whether I work for a drinks True. provider. Yeah. In all their cases, they all have IPR that they're trying to protect, exactly. and they're all paying insurance premium, and that insurance yeah. premium is lower if they have a higher level of security. Uh, you know, so it, it is really important. But so, so that's multi-factor authentication. Mm-hmm. You sit there and ask yourself, look, all I have to do is press turn on, and everybody will have to put a code in when they log in. Yes. Okay, brilliant. But If all the security teams say, okay, we just need to have two forms of authentication, then you can potentially argue, this is for you to make your users easy, you can potentially argue, so only this machine can access the network? Yes. So that's one form of authentication? No, it is, because only that machine. And if I put my username and password in, that's two forms of authentication. So I'm done. Oh, no, we need you to VPN into the network and you need to put your code in from your RSI device. And don't forget, we're going to make it so that your phone has to give you a BIM. So you're doing four levels of authentication. Can I, you agree? Can I just document this? But it's the, so these conversations with your security people, really understanding this stuff is important because if you want to go and protect your end users and actually have that conversation, ask them. So how many levels of authentication are you recommending, please? So that I can, and then have the argument. You'll not yeah. win it, no, no, but at no. least you can use it against them yeah. for the next few years. Yeah, well, the reason it was so slow is because you're insisting upon these four levels of authentication we keep talking about. Hmm. And if we do conditional access, is that yeah. something else you've had to play with before? So condition- don't tell me about conditional. Access. No, no, no. I'm not trying to uh, no, no, no. Uh, say some show off. I'm not. No, 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 no. So, but I'm, I'm just, just. So conditional access in the, your on-prem network is when you only open certain firewalls ports yeah. and allow you in to uh, allow certain in on certain ports on your firewall to get to your servers. Well, you've been able to do that on the net on, on your cloud now. So on your yeah. firewall into your cloud, your individual firewall for the last three years, you've been able to say only these IP addresses are allowed access to my cloud. Again, oh, okay. another form of authentication, another form of filtering on top of 
any so of if the I have an, an IP address coming from Asia, for example, I wouldn't be no. uh, I would be blocked to go into my Belgian server of my 20 people yep. company. And most people now do conditional access in one form or another. And then they insist on VPN. So the VPN mm, okay. gets you the IP address, yeah. which is another form of authentication. Gotcha. And then that will give you the IP address to get into the system. Now, all that's well and good, unless you want to try and do remote access. Yeah. Um, fine, VPN access. If you want to do mobile phone access, believe it or not, you have to do VPN access to be able to get you the IP address yeah. from your, your Active Directory to get into the service. Um, and where I was going with that two seconds ago was uh, external users. If yeah. you want to do external users, then it gets a little complicated because course, yeah. you can't give them your IP address. So if you want to do external access, just try and get them ahead of time because that uh, they need to conditional tell you access. Their IP address range-ish thing. Yeah, you either Something. have to give it them yeah. or their domain name. Yeah. So, for normally, especially if you're doing a, 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 an initial setup, Microsoft mm -hmm. end up being an authenticated uh, domain name so you can yeah. share things with Microsoft. But that still doesn't mean they can get into your network for it. It just means that you can share things with them at a domain level, not at an IP level. Of course. So, it's, okay. it gets complicated. Wow. And this is why... You can't do. You can't be an Office 365 expert anymore. No, because, because there's such a wide. Yeah, this is who wants to be a millionaire. You know that, don't you? Yes. Yeah. The reason that that is so difficult is because there are 15 different subjects before you can win your million dollars. Yeah. And it's difficult for anybody to know an all answer on all of those 15 yeah. subjects. And yeah. So yes. But it's so the same. We we had that before. Like we had SharePoint people. We had Exchange people. We had security people. And we still do. Yeah. The only thing is that we all play in the same ballpark. We do now. Yeah. Yes. All different positions. Yes. What a great analogy. Need to remember that yes. one. We all play in the same ballpark, but different positions. The other thing about, just so you know, you can also do uh, conditional access on applications as well. So you can actually say oh, yeah. only people in my organization are actually able to get to exchange using if, if they're... Yeah. This way inclined. Yeah. So, for example, you they can can't turn go to OneDrive, for example. No, exactly. Yeah. So you can do conditional access unless you're a member of this group. You're not allowed access to yeah. to these applications. So, so you're really gonna make things like scenario based. Um, you can do it role based. Yeah, well, so yeah. You, you as a role, you're never gonna need yeah. power apps. So no, I'm just gonna because of my salespeople, they're always on the road. They're never in the network, so we're gonna give them different ways of authenticating um, because they're never in the building. They're never on our network, so we're gonna give them a yes, separate set of roles. For yeah, example. but that's, uh, that's physical access. But yeah. what a lot of organizations do, and I have to say I try and convince them not to. So I can stop you accessing Power Apps by unchecking the box on your license. Yes. So the apps are there. Uncheck yeah. that. You don't get to it anymore. Yeah. But then what will security will say, no, 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 no. No, we need to only make it, we need to enable conditional access on Power Apps as well. So if I now need to get Johnny to access Power Apps, Mm -hmm. I have to both go in and check his box and I also have to make sure he's in the right AD group to be able to have access to the application at the Azure level. So so I'm okay. going... Okay. So if yeah. Johnny gets access to Power Apps, and I'm just choosing that as yeah, an yeah. example, yeah. is he going to break the world? Does he become an owner of Minions and he becomes a bad guy? Don't be stupid. No, of course not. So why are you putting all of this stuff into play? It's kind of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I because see. I can and I'm security and I rule the world. Okay, okay. Often that is the case. Well, because I it's can. Ego. Oh, ego based I, security. Yeah, ego based security. I was gonna I was gonna be polite mm. and say it's risk based security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but some of it is down to ego. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft wouldn't build it unless I need to use it. But to be honest, it's the same thing that we have with metadata. Metadata has like zero value these days because everything that Microsoft is doing is still putting everything in folders again instead of doing metadata. And we still insist that people use metadata because of so many things. That they don't understand. No. But now we've got Project Cortex and that metadata is going to be so important. That managed metadata anyway. Yeah. 
Well, you're sitting there pulling faces at me. No, it no, is. no, no. Just like just metadata. Me, no, not really. But yeah, manage metadata. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I got a very pleasant surprise at uh, one of my clients the other few days ago. We were talking about record management. I'm going, yeah, we'll get the record center enabled, and and we'll uh, we'll do in place record management, and we we'll do this. And then I went in there, went, oh fuck, no, can't do that anymore because they've bloody enabled file plan on me. <laughs> Uh-oh. So the, it had been enabled, which basically means that your attention is now done through file plan, yeah. not actually done through record management mm-hmm. anymore. So you have to kind of, yeah. Anybody that's planning playing with this, check what your um, your tenant has been set up, and also go and look up the old pages on Microsoft because it's now a different kind of approach. Oops. So where I was hoping to do this in Q4 this year with this particular client. No, no, I've got to start not. doing it early. No. Anyway, I, I, be, I know we're running out of time. This is 40 minutes gone already, and there's something else really? I did want wow. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time for a topic that I know <laughs> jack shit about. Okay. So conditional access then. So IP yes. levels of access from yes. outside. So you need to be make sure you get the balance for external yes. users yes. and application conditional access. Gotcha. And so choose one. Either decide, hey, I'm going to put people in this AD group and they'll get access to it through conditional access Mm -hmm. or I'm going to manage the application and check the box or don't check the box. Don't do both. Do one or the other. Okay. The the last thing I did want to talk about is uh, BYOK. And I know you don't know this. Bring your own key? Yes. Security key? Get it. So everything on your tenant is secured by a a key, right? By a public-private combination key. Yeah. And... Um, you can take the one that Microsoft gives you, which is what you or I have done and what nearly everybody else does. Yeah. But you can use your own key. Okay. So if you really want to be ultra secure about how your content is encrypted, you can actually generate your own key, send it off to Microsoft, and they will install it on your tenant. And then basically that means that any encryption... Any of your collabor- any of your um, wow. compliance and lifecycle and labeling, which we've again talking about security, we've not even touched labeling yet. Yeah, so you can bring your own key. I can have my own two megabit encryption. I don't think I don't you'd know. go with two megabit, but uh, yes, Whatever. yes, but you can yeah. do two fifty six k encryption has uh, hash keys and all those kinds of things. Okay, okay. You can actually be your own certificate. Okay, now, so I can just make up my own kind of encryption. And I love that. If only we could. So what is your key, please? Well, I don't know. Let's have a think. What do, how many characters do I need? <laughs> oh, we'll go with lowercase a, uppercase 73, my mother's birthday, my inside leg <laughs> management, and the color that I'm using and dying in my hair. How many digits you got now? No, it's not quite like that. You have to get the key generated. Okay. I know you know this, but, okay. uh, but yeah, yeah. No, you can generate your own key. But of course, the important thing about that is that you now have to take in on the responsibility of managing that key. Oh, yeah, of course. And yeah. if you yeah. somehow screw up that key... Your content is lost forever. Yeah. Oh. So balancing... Okay, I want to be ultra secure here, but you're assuming that you have got a sensible Yeah, uh, but that is that comes... That comes back to ego. Like I know, I know shit better than Microsoft. I'm not gonna trust Microsoft on this. I know my stuff better than them, so I'm gonna make them use my rules and my security. Imagine you're a hospital, yeah, and now you're securing personal PII data. Yeah. Uh, no, seriously, health data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole set of rules and regulations, <gasps> and I know Microsoft oh, need yeah. to do that. But now, if you have to convince your insurance company that you're in control and security is done and you want to go that one step further then bring your own key may well be a sensible solution okay yes 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 gotcha but there's some question marks and i don't know the answer to these yet okay i think we're good but microsoft for instance have just issued a whole new set of updates to um to sharepoint so that it can read encrypted data so it can yeah. search encrypted uh-huh. data. And there was something else where you can share it with people and they can decrypt it to get to it. Search can read it. There was a whole bunch of things that did not happen if if you chose your a top encryption. secret. No, any oh. key and, and it was locked. Okay. If you use your own key, then I just need to make sure that that is still the case. So, okay. 
Okay. Uh, bring your own key is, is something that we're looking to. And don't get me wrong, I am nowhere near an, an expert on this. Uh, the only reason I kind of get into them is I just like to know what's happening on all the tenants I work within. And somebody yeah. suggested bring your own key and asked me to go and look and find out what it means. See how difficult that is. And, okay. uh, and so the implications. And I said, you know, in all honesty, I can't tell you. Uh, but let's talk to your security team and just make sure they understand the potential yeah. for some of this stuff. Especially if you're using third-party DLP tools and things. Third-party yes. DLP yeah. tools can't read your data. How can they protect it if they can't read it? It's encrypted. So, oh yeah, I'm sending okay. that encrypted yeah. email out to the organization and the DLP software goes, what was that? <laughs> Did you see that go by? What was that? It looked like a load of jumble to me. Oh, well, I'll just ignore it then. Uh, but it actually has the secret plans to uh, the new product that you're about to launch, and it's just gone to a competitor. Yeah, uh -oh. yeah but I yeah. didn't know anything about it. It wasn't my fault. That Office no. 365 encrypted Couldn't it. Couldn't read it, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff around this that you, you really, really do need to think about. Um, and then I guess we're probably there now. Oh, just one minutes. more. Yeah. One more. One I was, more. I was just, just thinking about one. labeling. Oh, I was going to go with uh, password encrypted documents. Oh, I'll live with password. Yeah, go with. It's the same thing, actually. Yeah. I love that. I love that stuff. Like people are still sending me from time to time, like a Word document or an Excel file, and then I open it up and then it asks me for a password. It's like, why, why? With all that security, all that power that you have, all those different layers that you can set up, why do you still want to do that password so that I can't access or send it to somebody else or whatever? And Okay. No, I get it. I had the same thing this week, uh, last week rather. Um, uh, somebody came to me and said, um, I'm trying to share this Excel spreadsheet and it won't share anymore. Okay, well, I'm guessing that you've done this. You used to share it on a file share and you clicked the box that said enable sharing. And now when you put it in a library, you've still got that box checked. Oh, yeah, that's possibly right so fine just uncheck the box so it still doesn't work well why doesn't it work well i don't know i know the password but nobody else does ah. okay so why don't you tell them the password yeah but okay so let's let's have a coffee and a conversation yeah uh, you know uh, so yes i do see that i do see that yeah. um but it is equally as important but uh, but uh, just touching on the labeling thing I, I had to go through an exercise recently for for people being working at home mm -hmm. they were emailing documents to their own personal laptop so they could print oh, them yeah. out yeah yeah because they weren't printing them out yes so because their company laptop with all the vpn and intune and yeah, whatever doesn't recognize their own laptop so uh, their own uh, printer at home yeah. yeah so we we use labels and encryption to actually send it to an external email address and encrypt it uh, and that was quite cool but we had to do a whole bunch of stuff at the aip level to be able to allow the oh, encryption yeah. key to go through because of conditional access and so there was it's it's incredibly complicated but it's so freaking cool it really is what it actually that that doorway in and out of your yeah. network oh yeah yeah i know i've sent that email so i know that that's out there so when that comes back i will let that through but i won't let anything else through just so that you wow. can decrypt it so they can print it on and i know what's happening and then i'm tracking all that with logs so we know who's printed what out at home and it's all protected by the label all because of the way those those encryption and keys that when it works there's so much magic you can do you remember the days 20 years well and it was a slight bigger 10 years ago when oh is the sharepoint expert and you would wander up to the table and you'd sit there and go oh yeah you need to do this and you can change the view on that and you can make it look like this yeah. and look and they go oh wow yeah that's doing this kind of stuff is at that level now nice. so makes you look neat come up with those solutions that's good <laughs> i enjoyed right. this security okay. so just to to kind of recap we talked about authentication we talked about secure score for way longer than i thought we would do yeah absolutely so yeah. i like for something the idea so boring we <laughs> talked about it so long yeah but it's so cool as some yeah. of this stuff is conditional access uh of course with the ip and the fact you can do it application and don't go overboard by by screwing it around device management encryption labeling okay and we didn't even mention windows hello <gasps> But oh, let's not do that. No, no, no. But uh, the, 
you just bought this new Brio webcam. I did, did yes. Did you manage to set up the hello? No, not on this okay. camera. I haven't bothered. Because I've just moved my laptop, as you can see, to one side. So all I do now is turn my head around. But yes, I okay. did read that the Brio one can be used for yeah. hello. Okay. Okay. No, so I was just wondering. Maybe you would. No, I haven't. I'm okay. going to open this. Good. Do you? Uh, do we want to do a quick look up on it? Yeah. Well, you open it up, and then you can sit there, and and, and I'll yes, just very quickly. Yes. Let quick me fill. Do you know? I nearly let go of that too early. Then that nearly ended up on the floor. Ooh. That would have been funny on the podcast. But <laughs> no. Yes. All right. Let's just pull this up because I know we uh, we got this. So from we don't Flavier. have the pop of the corkscrew because this is in one of those little. So we, we get a, a set of tasters from a website I, I, I like called um, uh, Flavier. Uh, and they give us taster kits, which is, they don't give us, I buy taster kits. Taster kits. And this was one of them. And basically, we've drank two of them out of here already. Um, and uh, this is Canadian, in fact, I think. Pike Creek. Yes, Pike Ten year Creek. old. Rum barrel finished. It is a blend. It is, yes. Which is not really a problem for me. It's only a problem if it's mass sourced like a Johnny Walker. No, I agree. Um, <coughs> and Actually, um, that is one of the things that I really need to ask if I ever go back to Tamdu, Oban, Kalila, whatever those distilleries that are doing... Uh, they are bringing the whiskey for the the black label, for example. Yeah. Uh, I really need to ask how different they take care of that whiskey versus the whiskey that they use for their own. Um, my guess is that they're made to a very strict menu. Yeah, of course. But if, for example, if I would be Kalila and I would have my own 12-year-old, 18-year-old, whatever, my flagships. But 80% of my money would come from just supplying the Diego group with the... Um, can I leave the cat outside? Yeah, yeah, let the cat just out. That's okay. Yeah. Let the cat out the bag. Yeah. but So let's say that the 80% uh, of my money comes from just supplying them with whiskey. So would I treat that whiskey the same as I would do with my flagship whiskey that I'm selling as a single malt? Would you want them to buy some more from you? Yes. <laughs> then you might look after it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm not saying that, that they, they wouldn't, but I'm just asking myself, like, if I'm, if I'm, I'm distilling whiskey, I know... I'm, I'm doing 50 million barrels, 2 million barrels are going for, uh, yeah, I know the crazy numbers. I, know. I was going to say, sorry. I'm, no, I'm no, doing okay. no Let's say two, what was 2,000, 2,000 barrels, uh, even 200 barrels. Well, 200 barrels are going to go for my 12-year-old and 18-year-old and whatever. And I've got um, 1,000 barrels that are going to go into some kind of blend. Like, would I give them the exact same treatment? Would I just create a thousand barrels and then sell off 800 doesn't matter which 800 or would i just like distill them put the, the ones that i really want to keep in selected special barrels and then the rest just in whatever it's a I've purely no business idea. decision for me but i have yeah. to i'm sitting there smiling because uh i was thinking of that Erador that we tasted a few weeks ago where they make 18 barrels a week. And yes. <laughs> oh, I'm struggling to find this whiskey, so I'm just going to, I'm kind of going to ignore it okay. in a minute. Okay. And, okay. Uh, uh, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm struggling. I should have gone and been prepared. But what I did find um, was uh, a very brief tasting notes. Then okay. it, uh, so what they're saying here is brown sugar and vanilla. Uh, so it is going to be sweet, but I think we, we noticed earlier that it was uh, a sweet drink as well. So first of all, I'm going to talk about the color. The color is a beautiful, dark... Brownish. Yeah, it is nearly brown, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, it's kind of worrying me a little bit because it looks like it's got that uh, sherry kind of uh, yeah. color. But it doesn't have the sherry smell. I know that this is a... 
uh, a Canadian whiskey. Um, so that's uh, it's not even American. We talked about going to a different country. We've gone to one we've never wow. been to before. No, exactly. Canadian virginity, gone. Boom. Well, it will be in a second. Just a minute. I'm about well, to lose to my honest, virginity. There you go. I already had some. Uh, is that Canadian Goose or something? The is vodka. That? No, no, no. The whiskey, which was, to be Ask honest. Ask me if this was good for me. Was that good? <laughs> it was good. It really is. <gasps> oh, good. Surprisingly. It it has a very wide taste. It's it's not sharp. It's smooth, but it it mm. it, it has a depth to it. A bit. It, it it feels like it's treacle. You know, it's slowly easing down your tongue. It's an interesting taste. Well, you definitely get that default bourbon in there. Yeah. So it yeah. is unmistakably a bourbon. But as you said, it's not harsh. It doesn't jump at any point it goes quite smoothly even the aftertaste aftertaste is in slow motion it's kind of still there and and it's got that cough medicine it's developing that treacly yeah. cough medicine taste yeah oh this is really pleasant so just to be clear this is a 10 year old canadian whiskey and it's finished in a rum barrel which is where it gets the color from yes so, probably um it's um, normally they do a port finish or a bourbon finish, but this is done in X rum cask. Okay. Um, and it's ten years in a bourbon barrel, and so then it finished in a rum barrel. Yeah, because you definitely can taste the sweeter, the sweeter touch. This is a pretty sweet bourbon. It is, yes, it is. It's also a little ryeish as well in terms yes. of the aromatics. True. So a bit like True. the rye whiskies we've tasted. Yeah. But the nose is kind of paraffinish. It's very, very light, very sterile. Yeah, it's not an explosion of no smells and tastes. But that's good. I like that in this one. It's a surprise, isn't it? You think, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then when you taste it. It is pretty good, yes. And I have to say, I don't always like rum finishes. I know that when we were at Ignite at our uh, party, our Office 365 distilled party, I had some rum finished whiskies, where which I wasn't really too happy about, but I can definitely live with this one. We also did a, a teeling rum finish. In fact, yeah. you have a bottle on your shelf. No, I've, that's a normal teeling. I thought it was, oh you haven't got the plantation tealing. No. Oh I've got the plantation tealing in there. You bought me the bottle in fact. True. For me. And so that is quite a nice finish. Yeah. I'm saving the last inch to December. Yes. For a big one inch party. Well, I have to say, this is more of a success than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So um basically from Flavier I, I get three tasters every quarter. Just a couple of three shots in a small bottle and we went through them, find out what was left, and this was from our finishing um, range. Yes, so where we had uh, Le Pertuis. Le Pertuis, well. yes. Yes, the which French was, was also superb. An amazing whiskey. It was, and I was looking at that. And also, the other finishing one was, I'm just looking it up here, so what else was in there? Was it? Um, wasn't that a. Uh, the Green Spot, yes. Yes. The, uh, from exactly. the French. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Bordeaux uh, finish. Bordeaux, yes. Yes. Uh, Le Ville Bar Barton. Uh, and the other Irish yeah. guy from yeah. a few generations yeah. ago. So this is the Pike Creek. It's Canadian whiskey. And um, I must tell my brother to bring me a bottle next time he comes over because he's living in Canada now. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll uh, get him to do that because this I will drink again. Yeah. This is a very drinkable, non-harsh bourbon. It got that those sweet notes from that rum. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But the way it kind of glides down over the tongue is quite unusual. This is also a drinker's whiskey. Mm. This is something that you would pour into a big tumbler and just sit down and just drink it up. Yeah. I wonder what it's like with water in. Mm. With nose in. You definitely have more of that, um, those spices. That yes. speculose mm. spice comes in. The uh, candy. Yes. And it actually, 
reminds me because I when I put water in, I, I always put like a, a lot of water in it. Um, and then I, I still remember um, a few months ago when we did a Legavulin 16. Yes. Where, where I just <coughs> put a lot of water in as well. And you would get all those Indian spices. Mm. Well, this reminds me very much of those tastes. I was looking at the pricing for it. It's not an expensive drink. For a 10-year-old, it's not an expensive drink. It's actually cheaper than, than the La Pertuis, okay. which we thought was an excellent drink. Yes. Um, so, uh, yes, not an, not an expensive drink at all. I really enjoyed that. That was a very pleasant change. We decided to do a different country. We yeah. went to Canada, which we've never, ever been to before in terms yeah. of a drink. I haven't anyway, but you're right. You know, you get the uh, Canadian... Uh, Canadian Club. Yes, Canadian That's Club. That's the one. I I've had never that on, drank it. I had so. that on the airplane. So I was drinking uh, Woodford Reserve, and at some point Woodford Reserve was gone on the airplane. <laughs> oh, no, you drank it all. Yeah, yeah, so they said, well, we still have some Canadian... Like, okay. It's a rye, isn't it? It's Canadian Club of Rye. It, w- it was not for me. No. To be, it was too harsh to... <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, no, that didn't go well. No, that was very, very excellent. That was a good call. Yeah. Um, um, so there you go. So uh, Pike Creek, um, it yeah. is a 10-year-old rum-barreled finished Canadian whiskey. And I think that certainly gets a kind of uh, 9 out of 10 on our scale of whiskeys, certainly for yes. me. Yes, yes. I think I would recommend that to anybody. To be honest, after, this, uh, after we stop recording, let's bring out that Teeling Plantation. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. And see what the difference is. Yeah, now, any excuse. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a while since we've drank that. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. yeah. Well, you know, we're at one hour. This was a oh. really cool podcast. Uh, Where security, did you go? You and I, and it's not our key oh. subject. No. And, uh, and yet we find it really interesting. And I think it's the key message from, from my perspective, and you brought half of it. I brought the other half. I understand why we need security. You say yes, but don't make your security get in the way of the service we offer exactly. our customers. We're yes. trying to encourage yes. them to migrate to, to adopt, to take on board. Yes. And if you're slowing them down, giving them extra clicks, giving them extra things to yeah. do, that's not a good thing. No. And so it's our job to convince the security people that they don't need to go overboard. True. And that often but means that bringing... But like certain security rules have to be there because we all know how people get when they're yeah just living they forget their phone they forget their laptop absolutely get stolen because they leave it on the back side of their car they people are watching over their shoulder when they're in the train whatever so yeah i i mean there's a whole load of stuff we can get onto about uh, uh multi-factor yeah. authentication what happens when i leave the phone at home what happens when the battery Absolutely, runs out yeah etc etc yeah. but you know that's part of the responsibility of the user at the end of the day it's part that's of true. the clarity yeah. they need true. to be given yeah yeah um, but i, I think say, it's a great interesting subject i have to say one of the best security measures that i have is on my Brio, you have this little plastic thing so that you can close the webcam. There you go, just like yes. that. Yes, and ever since I got that, I don't get those emails anymore of this uh, guy saying, uh, pay me so much Bitcoin because I've seen you wank <laughs> in front of your computer. So I don't get those emails uh, anymore. You know, that so is a great way to close off what has been a really positive <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> Thanks, Moraine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you are you are into no, a different no, no. Ca- in different level of security. You are right, no, yeah. and uh, I know people that turn off those cameras and and don't trust them. And uh, well, I have know. to say, I read a few of these horror stories where people were actually looking, uh, like hackers were looking through the video camera to actually see you type in your secret code of your Correct. bank app yes. on your phone. And I have to say, ever since I read about that or heard about that. Whenever I need to uh, type in my security code, I always do that like under the table when I have my laptop in front of me. Do you know, you and I though are in a unique position in that we do the sensible thing. Our laptops are always updated. Yes. You know, so we are safe as safe can be anyway. Yes. Uh, I won't make the statement that if you update everything, you're safe. But, you know, Microsoft know about this stuff. They they have 20-odd thousand people 
and all they ever do is find all the things that true. the bad guys try that and do. True. And then they build out the fix before it gets out too yeah. far. Yeah. So I think as long as you keep everything updated and all those ca- and ignore those phone calls from the Indians that say, hey, yes, we've noticed that you're on your machine and that there's a problem. And yeah. uh, as long as we kind of ignore those guys. Yeah. Um, well, it's then been sometimes since I hit one of those. It is me as well. Yeah. I think they're giving them. The, 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 that's one of those things. But uh, anyway, from a security perspective, yes, it's inconvenient. You've got to get the balance right. And part of our job, if we represent Office 365 in the business balance. and collaboration, is to work with the security teams to sort of get that balance in place. True. Uh, so that's cool. And then we finished off with a really unusual Canadian whiskey, which which was very, very pleasant. So, yeah, yeah, great podcast. This is our last podcast before we hit the big four zero. <gasps> I know. That's a cool wow. one, isn't it? So by the time you listen to this, we'll be thinking about what to do at 40. Uh, we, uh, we have a number of things we want to uh, talk about. Uh, we're going to do a fairly big campaign pointing to it. So you'll see a bunch of videos pointing up towards it, yeah. which would be cool. We're going to do a review of some of the other podcasts that we've done, some of our we're best gonna, 10 podcasts. We're going to drink an amazing whiskey on the 40th. Oh, well, we yes. hope it's going to be amazing. The story is pretty awesome. Well, we, let's just go with the line. We always say that we drink in a whiskey that is unusual. Yeah. And we know that the uh, the the kind of barrel that a normal whiskey is... is uh, we actually got this wrong a few podcasts ago. I got it wrong. I said that these barrels are 2,000 euros a barrel. Uh, but I actually did some research after that, and they're around four to 500 euros for a, a bourbon barrel or an ex-bourbon yeah. barrel. Because imagine it has to come all the way across. Yeah. But the whiskey that we are going to be drinking next podcast comes out of a barrel that costs over 6,000 euros a barrel. Just for the wood. Just for the wood, because it's a very special wood. But we'll... Nice. We'll save that to where we go. And apparently, uh, it does some very unusual things to the whiskey. So we cool. have to choose whether we do an Irish one or a Japanese one. Uh, I've got a couple of choices. They come from this special kinds of barrel. Yeah. And so, yes, that is going to be 40th. And uh, maybe nice. you should stay over that night so we don't have to get yeah. limited. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do something. Anyway. Cool. Awesome. So that's forty. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. Yes, and I promise you, I won't taste any of them before uh, before the good. day. Good, we'll good. Keep, we'll keep them new. Yes. All right. So uh, I'd like to say goodbye. Thank you for listening. I've thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. A uh, little longer than normal by five or six minutes, but it was fun. And I'm going to hand over to Moraine to do his usual finishes. Yep. So it's a goodbye from Steve. That's a goodbye from me, Moraine Somers. Ciao. If I give you a bottle, will that help you hit the road? That would be awesome. If only we could put whiskey in the cloud and build an app to download it straight into the glass. And you said I was the millennial. All right. Out, out. Thank you, miss. See you next time. Oh, Steve, you know what? You know what we forgot to talk about? Next time, Moraine the next Office 365 Mystery.